Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. So you may not have any kids. Um, they may be out of the house, but we have family members, and we have neighbors, and we're a part of a village. So... Um, the information may sound like something that you've heard before, but it may come from a different perspective. So we just ask that you open up your heart and um, let's see what God does. Amen. At this time, I'm going to ask Alana and Madison Mitchell to please come and lead our Bible confession. everyone. We're going to read the Bible confession together. I can't see it. Wait. Okay. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me, my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Okay. Praise God. All right, so our message today, our message today, is entitled, Be Present. And so I'm going to be talking to you on the spiritual side of what be present looks like. And they're going to be on the natural side, specifically talking about school. So when we think about being present, what does that mean? And so I want to take you to Psalms 46, verse 1. And these are scriptures that you know. But today our youth is staying in the service. So some of the scriptures that we will use will come out of different translations because we want them to understand. Um, when we're in children's ministry, we always tell them, let's look at the different translations. And that's how you will understand how God's going to speak to you. So we're looking at, is it there? Okay, good. Psalms 46. And we're looking at it in the Psalms 46, verse 1, and we're going to look at it in the Passion Translation. 41, excuse me, 46 and 1. And in the Passion Translation, it says, God, you're such a safe and powerful place to find refuge. You're a proven help in time of trouble, more than enough and always available whenever I need you. So we see that God is available. So when we think about being present, we're thinking about being available. Okay, let's look at Isaiah 26. 
And we're going to look at that in the New Living Translation. Isaiah 26. And we're going to look at verse 3 and 4. And it says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all, the, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. And when we think about what the eternal rock is, that's one of God's names. It says eternal rock, but sometimes we hear it as rock eternal. And that describes God's strength, his stability, and his faithfulness. So being present is bringing strength, stability, and faithfulness to the situation or to the person. And last, I want to look at Jeremiah 29, 11. And I know we all know this one, but we're going to look at it in the easy reader version. Jeremiah 29, 11. In verse 11 through 13, it says, I say this before I know the plans that I have for you. This message is from the Lord. I have good plans for you. I don't plan to hurt you. I plan to give you hope and a future. Then you will call my name. You will come to me and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will search for me, and when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. So that's being focused on God. So we know being present from God's perspective is being available, being focused, being fixed on. It's a high priority. And um, we place a high priority on things and people of great importance. As a society, Education is a high priority. Education has gone through many changes. There are four purposes of school, according to this philosopher by the name of Kevin Ryan. And I wanted to go back because you know schools have changed so much. What was really originally the purpose of school? And there was four purposes. One was an intellectual purpose, which um, would help the students become rational thinkers. The next one was a social purpose, um, would teach students how to appropriately socialize with others, preparing them for the future when they get into society. Then it was an economic purpose, which believes that schools are beneficial to students to get them ahead in life economically, meaning they must stay in school to gain knowledge and skills for their future career. And then there's a civic, there was a civic purpose which was a belief of Thomas Jefferson that says schools could help children or schools could help students to learn how to govern themselves wisely and justly. You know, for example, voting or volunteering or serving on a jury. So lady, I, ladies, I pose this question to you. Do we still have these purposes in mind with our schools today? What do schools look like today? Oh, I'm we're going to introduce the panel, <laughs> starting to the left. Good morning. I'm Amber Bright. I have been in education for over 20 years, 
<laughs> thank you. Um, well, all of that has been in elementary education, and I've, had, I've taught um, every grade level, one through five, in some capacity. Um, I am in Hillsboro right now, and right now I'm teaching gifted education. Good morning, I'm Nigel Jackson. I've been in behavioral health, which is mental health and substance abuse, for also two decades. Um, many capacities, case management, um, direct service provider, providing coaching and counseling to children and adults. And my heart is with the kiddos, teenagers, because that's the most pivotal time of your life. Amen. And I have three kiddos, and we're in Pasco County. Good morning. My name is Danielle Reynolds. I'm an assistant principal here at in Wesley Chapel at a K-8 charter school. Um, I've been in education 15 years. All of it has been um, in the charter school education um, sector, so I'm excited to speak about that. Uh, my primary background was in elementary education. I've taught third grade, fourth grade. I was also a teacher of gifted. Um, I spent four years as a coach of curriculum and instruction, so that is where my heart is. Um, I love being an instructional leader of the building, um, and I'm heading into my second year as an assistant principal. I'm very passionate about what I do, so I hope that that kind of um, shows today through today's panel. Um, hi. hi. My name is Azacia, and I'm just going to 11th grade. That's pretty much it. I go to Armwood High School. Good morning. Uh, my name is Dorana Ingram, but oh, I just missed it. Um, I'm elementary education. Um, I've been in education going on, I think this is my eighth year now. Um, intermediate students are my jam, so not the littles. Give me, honestly, fourth grade and up, I'm okay. Um, I'm also going into a role called teacher talent developer this school year, um, so I'm looking forward to being able to also develop educators as well as students. So going back to the question, um, I think one of the most beautiful things about education is um, the, the, the ability that you have for school choice. There are so many different types of schools out there. Um, you know, very naturally we assume that we have to attend our zone school, right? Our, the, the school that is closest to our home, and that's just simply not true anymore. Um, so. I'll speak more specifically to the charter school um, sector. So we get asked a lot, what, what is a charter school and how is it different? Why should I send my, charter, my student to a charter school? Um, and charter school, um, the best way to explain it is that we are publicly funded but um, privately owned and governed. So we do receive our funding from the state. Um, we do have to abide by all district and state guidelines, including state standardized testing. Um, but we're a public school. We, we accept any and all children. Um, while they do have to apply to come into our school, we don't get to pick and choose. We accept all students, students with disabilities, gifted children, um, and so all of those programs are very similar to what you would see in your district school. Um, but we are governed by a governing board, and so there's a charter, hence the name charter school, which is basically a contract, and that 
basically outlines what we're able to do with certain limitations and we have to follow that charter in addition to, like I said, the district and state um, guidelines and mandates. And along with charter, students have many options as far as, um, like she said, you don't just have to go to your zone school. There's school choice where you can um, look at other schools within the district, the district that you live, and look to see what are, what are they offering? What is my child into? If my child is into science, there are schools that focus on science. There are schools that focus on math and technology. So there are things out there. There are magnet schools out there. There are lots of options today. There is uh, virtual. Um, learning. There's homeschooling. There's so many things that are offered today for students, no matter what kind of student it is. Um, like I said, I teach gifted education. Um, our African American and our Hispanic students, our students from low socioeconomic uh, areas are underrepresented. We know those students are out there, but um, I think people have this notion of what a gifted student looks like. You know, it's this nerd child, it, and it's not. There are so many different forms of what a gifted student looks like. Um, we, you just have to be open to your child. My child is different. They, they like art, they like music, they like math, but maybe they're not performing. So you need to go to your school and talk about that. You know, hey, Johnny's doing this, Sarah's doing this, I need some help with this. So a lot of times the teacher or someone from the school may not say anything to you. You have to be the one to say, hey, I need some resources. We're going back to the spiritual. <laughs> we are bombarded daily with distractions. We delude ourselves into thinking we are a good multitasker. A person can't multitask and be present at the same time. It seems that multitasking now has become the norm. It shouldn't be for the believer because our footsteps are ordered by God and we hear from the Holy Spirit who, who we say, who says that he leads and guides us into all truth. But all day, every day, you hear people say that I'm multitasking. I've been multitasking. I've been multitasking. Are you multitasking or, or do you have poor planning? There's a difference. You're on the spiritual side, not the natural side. You're on the spiritual side. Because that's how Satan steals your time. Lack of pl prayer, planning and getting direction from God for that day. I'm not saying that you don't pray, but are you praying for that day? He will give you directions. Things will come up during the day that you'll have to handle at the same time, but that shouldn't be the norm seven days a week, 24 hours a day. If that's your norm, no, that's poor planning, okay? <laughs> so ladies, um, to be present requires a focused engagement of aspect of being physical, mentally, and emotionally, spiritually connected. What does focused engagement mean to you as an educator? I'll start. You can hit it now. Okay. Um, focused engagement, um, I'm going to hit on like parental engagement. Mm -hmm. Do that? Okay. Um, I've been in schools where incredibly affluent communities, uh, active PTAs and things like that, but then I'm also in the last couple of years have been in the Title I Achievement Network. So you're talking low social status, low, uh, just high need, I'll say it like that. Um, extremely high need and extremely low performing students. So my parental involvement um, or engagement 
um, lens has shifted over the last couple of years, and I would say that it's important. Um, not necessarily to be in the school building, especially with the pandemic and everything, a lot of things are different anyway, but to be present, be responsive, uh, be communicating with your teachers. Um, I always let parents know kind of my mediums in which you can reach me. And so I would say for the people here to make sure that your teachers or whoever, whatever, whoever you're an adult for, that those teachers know how to reach you. It can be via phone, it can be email, it can be send me a letter in their planner. Um, it can be, um, I use Class Dojo. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, but it can be a, a school uh, teacher website that they are, the teacher knows that you're gonna be responsive if they reach out. Um, I don't think any of us are like that, but there are teachers out there that I've worked with that the simple fact that that student has an adult who's working on their behalf makes that teacher do their job better. Um, and while you will fill in the gap, right, people like us fill in the gaps where they see them, some students, you know, tend to go through the cracks because they don't have an adult speaking up for them, advocating for them. So I would say um, parent engagement to me now is, is presence. Right, I'll go a whole 180 days and never talk to a parent. And what's unfortunate is you get those teachers that um, if they had to choose, if their resources ran thin and they had to choose, you know, to put their eggs in a basket, right, and their basket is the student, they're gonna choose the one whose parent is there, who they know, who, 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 whose parent is there who's going to for sure get a return on that investment. And so I don't want any of our students to be in that situation where they're not getting the best support because there's nobody there speaking for them. So, um, when it comes to engagement, I feel like from a student perspective, I think that even when you do have a parent behind you, it can be just discouraging to go up to your teacher or to even email them and ask them about something or ask them to correct something. Like you can be, you can be redundant to do that, right? Whether it's just because you're nervous or you don't know if they're gonna say no, but there's a lot of times that my mom told me and she's like, just email the teacher, email the teacher, like say they put like a zero in, in my grade book, right? And I did the work. She's like, just email them, just email them. So you have to develop a mindset of like, that the grades that you deserve and what you, the work you've been putting in, like you should like stand behind that and make sure that you. Yeah, so you just develop that, the mindset that you, you have to be responsible for yourself in a sense. So you have to make sure the teacher knows you're not a person that they can just look over, right? So yeah, I think that's pretty much all. Parent engagement is also that piece of, as a parent, not feeling like you have to be the teacher, you have to have a, a degree. No, you just need to be present with your child. How was your day? What did you do today? What happened in your classroom today? You know, a lot of times there are behaviors happening in classrooms that you would be 
appalled about. But if you're not talking to your child and you're not finding out what's going on, and then as a parent having that voice so that what's happening in that classroom changes if it's not right. So you have to have those conversations with them. Uh, be engaged with, you know, maybe you're not um, familiar with the homework. Now they call it new math, and you're like, oh, I can't do that. But you can talk to them about the resources that you have right at home. You know, have them read a cereal box. Do they have books at home? You know, what, what's the sky look like? Just those kinds of conversations, being involved, being engaged. And from a parent perspective, what I'll add is being involved as well as being understanding of parents, like my perspective and speaking to my kiddos teacher, and I have a now third grader, um, we communicate through the app. Like she said, there's an app. And I come in from a perspective, thank you so much. I appreciate you as a teacher. I know my kiddo's personality. I tend to go over and beyond probably, um, but I want them to know I'm a friend. I'm there. I'm not coming to accuse or anything like that. And it has gotten so much where we've seen things where he may have brought home a grade that we know, like, that's not Frankie. And the teacher has volunteered to retest him. She's like, you know what? I noticed on Fridays he doesn't do well. So let's start fresh over the weekend, and I'm going to test him again on a Monday. And that's, I know that's not a standard or a norm, but having that relationship and the teacher's really caring and they know his personality so they know when he performs well or not. And I know that's pretty much from a parent perspective, being involved and being understanding and knowing the teachers have an extremely hard job of 18 to 20 kiddos in one classroom with a whole lot of personality. Yeah. I think one of the challenges that we face today with parent engagement um, is that education is evolving so quickly. And I can even say that school is different from when I was a child. They're being taught different curriculum and different strategies. Everything is online and digital and having to maneuver through that. Um, but as a leader of a building, uh, we want your feedback. You know, we'll offer after school sessions. Sometimes we try to do it virtually to accommodate your family and your schedules. But if we're not engaging in a way that works for you, we encourage you to provide us that feedback because we, we want that engagement, we want that partnership, and we need it ultimately for students to be successful. Um, so kind of just piggybacking off what everybody has said is advocate for yourself and for your child and provide that feedback to your, to your school's administration and leadership team. It's a good group, isn't it? So now I want to talk to you as the village. We have youth in our church, and we're their village. And we have to be present for them. And it doesn't mean that we go to every football game, every volleyball game, but we can, every track meet. But what it does mean is we need to encourage. We need to support. We need to pray along with the families for their youth. And um, to encourage your youth, it could be as simple as, I know Alana had a volleyball game, Madison had a volleyball game. When I see them, I'm gonna ask them, hey, how'd it go? How's it, how's it going? You did good, oh, you didn't, it, you didn't win this time. It's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, my husband and I have a, a, a smoothie business, and on Saturdays, we are at the Y. And so we know that Adrian is a social butterfly, and so he talks to everybody, including the kids. And we sit right outside of the gym, 
And so the kids have gotten used to us. And we have certain, this certain little boy named Lucas. And Lucas is about seven. And when he first started coming to the truck, you know, he was just wanting his smoothie. Then he started coming to the truck just to say, hey, Adrian would talk to him. And then he'd come to the truck because he didn't win. And Adrian would encourage him. Then he came to the truck and didn't want nothing. So his mom said, we don't want nothing. He just wants to come. So then Lucas started showing up when we got busy. We're like, okay, Lucas, okay, what do we do, God? We're going to encourage him. Upon, he took it upon himself. We have a back door. And <laughs> what he does is on his own, when we get busy, he goes to the back door and he sits and he waits. And then he'll go back when all the people go away. So we're his village. He's never met us before. When he doesn't play sports, his mom still brings him because he wants to say hello. He wants to see Mr. Adrian. So, you know, there's all kind of ways that we can be supportive to our youth. So ladies, I pose this question to you. Can you discuss the importance of building relationships at school? I know you kind of touched on it, but can you go more into, is there anything else in you regarding building relationships, whether it's a student, teacher, parent, anything with that? There you go. See, always the title on a student. <laughs> so I can talk about building relationships with your peers. Because there's like there's a good aspect of it, and then there's a negative aspect of it. So there's people that you don't want to build relationships with at all. And you can just tell from <laughs> you can just tell from one encounter with them about whether or not you want them to be around you all the time. So I think with the good aspects of it, you don't necessarily have to like a person to be cordial with them. And I learned that with like my peers, because I don't necessarily <laughs> I really like them that much. But I am so cordial with all of them. I'm nice to everyone. And you're going to end up meeting those people. The same people that you're in class with every day, you're going to end up meeting them. So, you know, I'm always nice and I'm always genuine with everyone because I know that I'm working with them and we're in the same, we're on the same level. So I'm going to end up meeting them one day or they'll end up meeting me and I'm willing to help, right? So I think that's the important positive part of building relationships with your peers just to like not isolate yourself and not just be doing it all on your own because everyone else in the class is not. So the negative side is just like just staying away from the people and making sure they know that you don't really want them around because there's people who have negative energy and they want to do negative things. So you want to make sure that they know. And sometimes you don't even have to like open your mouth. Just the way that you act and the way that they act, they're already going to know. So I think that's pretty much All right, so relationships on campus. A lot of the parents that I actually interact with are not even the parents of my students. One of my positions in the morning at school is I man one of the gates. So, you know, only students coming in, no um, adults coming on campus. Um, so it's, you know, school security. But a lot of those, like I said, those relationships are built right there at that gate. And so 
again, I don't even work with their children directly in the classroom, but just that good morning, just that bye at the end of the day and those parents seeing a smile and feeling like, hey, my child is going in somewhere safe and a happy place because they see Miss Bright in the morning. And um, many times when they have problems, when they have issues, when they have questions, I'm right there. And I don't turn anybody away. If I don't know the answer, I will get it for you. Um, again, because of those morning relationships, me being cordial with them and that relationship back. So I would say um, for those of you who are on campuses daily, you know, you're dropping your kid off, picking your kid up, um, make sure that you are present. You know, you're not just so focused on whatever it is that you have to do with your child, but it's good morning, hey, something to the people that work on that campus, whether it's the school custodian, the school nurse, whomever it is, build a relationship with those people because like it was said earlier, we are, we're going to watch out for your child. We're watching out. You know, I'm watching out. I'm a child of God. I'm watching out for all the kids. But you do have to, you know that there are people who are not saved in our schools. So those relationships are key. They are vital. Again, it's just a high. It's just acknowledging people. I'll go. Ditto to that. Um, but... In addition to, I would say also, just like knowing, I'll, I'll talk about parents and students, just knowing them like as, as people. Um, and it, just acknowledging that we're all people here, we'll all make mistakes, we're together all year long, there's gonna be you know highs and lows. And acknowledging that, hey, as long as we're respectful to one another and understand all the things that we'll have a good, we'll have a good year. Um, Similar to Miss Amber, um, I'm usually manning the buses. And so at my school specifically, most of the students come to the bus because they don't have cars and things like that. Um, and so for me, it's the bus drivers, right? Because there are a lot of issues that happen on the bus, if you guys didn't know. If your kids are bus riders, the bus is a place. Okay, it's a real place, okay? Um, and they have the cameras and everything, I'd be looking at you. Okay. But um, yes, and so just even knowing like the people who work for the district that aren't necessarily on your campus, but they impact your kids, um, having a relationship with those people mean a lot to the students. Um, and then a lot to the parents in turn, because if I'm there and I'm like, look, you don't see your kid, but when they get on this bus, they be doing this, that, and the other. Oh, okay, okay, Miss Ingram, okay. Um, so we're not gonna be confused when that referral comes through the, through the computer. Um, little things like that, just knowing, you know, I know your child, right? Um, socially, there are issues if you don't talk to your, to your kids or the students in the, the kids in your village. Socially, there will be things that happen that will run them out of whack. And if you're not present enough to know about them and you don't have that relationship with them, they won't talk to you. Um, I know that there are kids that will come to me that aren't even in my class. They'll just enter my classroom just to have a listening ear. And then in that regard, you're able to then go and get help for them on their behalf or reach out to their parent for them. So being open to be that adult in their life and some kid's life is really good. Um, I also wrote something down. Oh, okay, daddy. <laughs> Okay, that's not what I was gonna say, but 
Um, there is a, there was a situation, honestly, when I first came to Hillsborough County, so this was a couple years ago now, but there was a student of mine that got in trouble. Um, he was in the, he went to the office and, um, was just having a horrible day and it got to the point where it was time to go home and they were trying to keep him at school. Um, and I saw him and I was like, what's going on? Let's call him Gary, right? What's going on, Gary? And um, he had tears just running down his face. And he was like one of like the tough kids, right? Um, he was affiliated with like gangs and things like that. And so I was like, what's going on? I said, do you need, what do you need? Because I know that if you don't leave this school, nobody can come get you because um, you need to ride the bus. And he was just like, I can't wear those home. And I was like, well, what do you mean? Um, the guidance counselor, just not knowing, had gave him a pair of like red chucks or red converse to wear home. And I looked at him. He looked at me. And I said, okay. And I put him on the bus. And yeah, I got slack over it. They were like, he needs to be wearing shoes. And I said, he's not wearing those. He's going to walk in his socks. And he'll be okay. And we'll see him tomorrow. And we'll find other shoes for him. If he can't wear those draggers or those slides, we'll find other shoes. So just knowing and being able to be that safe place for a kid to tell you something like that, um, and they're not fearful they're going to get in trouble because of it, is, is, a, is a big thing. Um, and now you may forget what I was going to say. But, but yeah, so just being someone that knows the kids and knows when there's a change of character and knows when there's a change of behavior so that you can flag something and, and get them help if they need it. You know, I'm going to have to go on the, that side. Um, you know, we need to say thank you for your service to the teachers. Because that's a real thing. I'm on the education side, too. Um, but I was early ed for 17 years, but now I'm in a middle school, and that's tough going for early middle school, but, you know, um, the, the challenges are, are really there, and what parents don't see is crackers and milk in the desk. What they don't see is soap, and, you know, go, because there's a lot of families right now that are homeless, our homeless population, has increased dramatically. And so what they don't have at home, someone's covering them at school. And 99.999% of the time, it's not another friend. It's a teacher. It's a staff member. So not only say hi, but say thank you. You know, if you're, if you're in Publix or at Chick-fil-A, get them a gift card. It could be $5. It's not the amount. It's the respect that comes behind it to say thank you. It only takes a minute to say thank you. And even if you don't have that, send them an email and say thank you. Amen. Okay. So, in children's ministry, one Sunday, when the kids used to come in, um, one of the things that I used to do was always say, tell me about your week. It took us a minute to go around 
and they tell us about their week. And one particular Sunday kind of broke my heart because it was a hard week for one of our youth. And um, she said, it's hard to be a Christian at school. And I was like, tell me about it. I didn't say, oh, no, because the Bible says, no, tell me about it. Why is it hard to be a Christian? And one of the things that was said was because of the environment, especially in middle school. The environment is full, and I know it's in high school, and it's in the little ones too, because they, 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 they say what their mom and daddy say. But anyway, um, she said it was hard because in that environment, they curse a lot. It's like a second language. And um, the kids do it because they fit in. If you don't do it, you stand out. And she said that it becomes, she, you hear it so much that it's like second nature. That when you get upset, you, it automatically comes out of your mouth. You know that's not what's in your heart, but it just comes out of your mouth because that's all you hear. That's all you hear all day for six, seven hours a day. It's all you hear. It's part of the conversation. I know um, it, it took me back when I heard the middle schoolers do it um, as often. You know, and one time I had to, you know, I was like, do you not, do you not know any other parts of the English language? Like, can you use any other words? And at the end of the day, what I ended up telling them was, you know, you say all these words and you're trying to deliver a message. But did you actually deliver the message? Because if you're cursing at me because you're mad at me, then tell me what I did. Don't curse at me. Because cursing at me is not telling me what I did, so I'm going to continue to do it because you ain't tell me what I did. And use other words. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> Sorry. It just gets me sometimes. Anywho, back at the back cave. We have the student, and she's saying it becomes second nature. And she said that she had to be reminded that we don't do this. You know, and she says, that's hard. You know. How do, how do I, how do I, how am I supposed to be a Christian in school? And my thing was to her, if you change, which you shouldn't, <clears throat> but if you change to conform, who's to say there's another person, another Christian out there looking for someone that's not like the norm? And they, but they, they thought maybe that you were, but then you start doing what they were doing, so then they backed away. You're going to stand out because of who you are. There's a light on you, you know? Um, so I wanted to pose that to the, um, to, the, to the panel. Let's talk about what the kids face in peer pressure. So I'll speak on peer pressure just because of the nature of what I've been doing for a while. And seeing some of the kiddos, young, middle school, high school, a lot of the initial mental health things that maybe parents don't want to address. There still is a stigma in the Christian community with mental health, um, accessing care. And it doesn't always mean that there's a diagnosable problem. It just could simply mean there's something going on with the kiddo and they may not be comfortable telling mom and dad, but there's a trusted adult somewhere, or you would hope there's a trusted adult somewhere, an aunt, an uncle, neighbor, grandma, you know, someone that they feel like they can be themselves and be, you know, vulnerable and not get backlash. Um, because in my field, I've often seen the kiddos complain a lot about maybe things happening at home. 
Um, and, you know, we don't want to accuse the parents. We're not saying parents are the fault. But a lot of times their biggest concerns is, is things that are going on at home. And then that behavior gets, you know, replicated in school or I can get replicated in many different ways. And we may have kiddos that go to church and have two-parent homes, you know, all the things that they say, you know, are, are positive, which they are. But that does not exclude those kiddos from having issues and succumbing to peer pressure, especially when you think about the things that are in the media and social media and, you know, even sometimes in your own family and peer group, there's pressures coming, you know, there's self-esteem that's being built up um, at a very young age. I often say the prefrontal cortex has not fully developed, so they are very vulnerable, very emotional, very irrational, and just one conversation with a friend that may not be in the best interest can throw them off and make them make decisions that could change the entire, entire trajectory of their life, right? Especially that teenage year. That can be some of the toughest years, parents, of your life, but it will get better. Um, and I think talking with your kiddos, if I could say anything, the biggest thing is talking with your kiddos and being okay to hear what they have to say and if you feel like you're not equipped to handle what they're telling you, be okay with getting outside help, whatever that outside help looks like. That's it. Just one quick um, tip that I've changed as a mom. I have three kiddos of my own. Um, instead of saying, how was your day? I say, what was the best part of your day? or what was the worst part of your day. Um, and then that kind of opens up a different conversation. For a long time, especially being a new administrator, I would get in the car, I'm exhausted, I just wanna get home and rest. Um, how was your day? Good, okay, and we kept it moving. Um, but that really just made for deeper conversation and um, just better connection with my children. Um, just back to what Nigel was saying about getting your child uh, the resources he or she needs, not worrying about any kind of stigmas, uh, because this, this child is going to perform one way or the other. They're either going to act out um, because they don't know how to deal or cope with what they're going through, but then at school, on the school side, we know anyway. They're doing something. They're having that conversation about what's going on at home, um, telling all your business. They're doing something. So you want to be an advocate for saying, hey, um, you know, it's nothing wrong with having your child speak with someone, even if it's the school guidance counselor, because like we said, it, they're, they're talking about it anyway, whether it's in the cafeteria, the classroom, just in walking in the hallway, we're hearing it anyway. So if you're like, oh, I don't want my business out there, oh, it's out there. You know, they are telling and talking about it. When it comes to uh, peer pressure, I think that going through, okay, if you're raised in the church and you're a Christian as a kid, you know all your Christian songs, like you grow up, you know, right? <laughs> and when you go to school, and especially middle school, like you get older and older, you're going to be tested. And I feel like God does that on purpose because you need to, right? So you need to be tested and know, like, to be so secure in who you are and who you are in Christ. So I feel like when peer pressure, it's just a test, right? Yeah. It's a test that you need to go back to what you know and who you are and what you know at home and what your parents and your mom tells you because that's 
that's what you're going to end up sticking with. So you're going to go through and you're going to hear what people are saying and you're going to, sometimes you're going to like fall a victim to it, right? So you're going to start doing those things. You hear them cursing, you're cursing too. But in the, at the end of the day, like you have to know who you are and you have to know what is right for you and who you want to be. So as once you pass that test, I feel like going through into high school and middle school, going through higher in middle school and going into high school, it's just going to be the same thing, but you're already going to know how to pass the test, right? So the people are going to do this, they're going to say this, and you're already going to know, well, I already know who I am. So it's like, it, you're tested for a reason, to be really secure in who you are. I agree with what everybody has said. Um, <laughs> Um, but I always tell my students, and even growing up, like my parents would tell me that um, everybody's not going to like you. It is a fact of life. So if your reason for succumbing to the peer pressure is to be liked, you're wasting your time. Period. Um, my dad used to always tell me, still tells me, don't tell somebody maybe when you really mean no. Uh, so don't be a wishy-washy person. You stand firm on what you know, what you want, and that's it. With that being said, my mom used to tell me, no can be a complete sentence. So don't feel your need to explain yourself. Once you answer the question and peers are coming to you and they're like, come on, come on, why, why? You're not going to, doing all the kid things, right? You can say no and walk away, right? You don't have to sit there and do the things. You don't have to go back and forth with them. You don't have to step out of, step out of your, what you know, and try to pop off and do all this and start getting in trouble and looking like a fool, right? You can simply say no and be done with it. Just a little note on that, um, especially for elementary, um, for a lot of different reasons, students are sometimes grouped together and then they, they have to stay with those students throughout the day. It may be a table that they're sitting at, maybe the lunchroom. But if you're talking to your child and your child's telling you, you know, Johnny's always this or something's always happening, then you need to have that conversation at school and say, hey, their seat needs to be moved. You know, they need to sit with a different person at lunchtime because um, your voice, like we said, it matters. So we want to hear that and they may not be telling the teacher something that's happening. They're always getting in trouble, but you don't really know why. And so that peer pressure may be happening at lunchtime or at their seat in class, and they just need to have a change of seat so that they can make better decisions. Hi, everyone. So um, sorry, I'm a, I, didn't, I wasn't here at the beginning. Um, I've been in education for about 16 years. I'm an assistant principal now. Um, ELA is my background. I want to go back to the question where you talked about what our children facing, and I want to be very practical. Um, vaping is a huge issue. In middle school, it even starts in some fifth grades. I need you to go out to wherever you shop, and you need to stop, and you need to look at what they look like, because they don't look like what you think they look like. I just recently went and looked at them myself. You will be very surprised as to what they look like. And it doesn't matter whether you have school-age children, if you have nieces, nephews, it doesn't matter. You need to know what they look like. I don't necessarily, because I'm not going to buy them, but I need to know so that if I see something, I know what I need to address. Um, 
Vaping is one of the hugest things. Um, I'm saying that because it's probably the, one of the most prominent. I'm sure the other assistant principal can probably agree that at some level, it's definitely a thing. We're talking like 12 year olds that are addicted, start at 12 and they are addicted. Like it's, it's a thing. So I would definitely say to please go and look the next time you pass one of them little shops and they're everywhere, they're colorful. They look like highlighters. There's one that looks like a coffee cup now. Wow. Like you, you have to know these things because otherwise like what we don't know is what we don't know, right? And that becomes the thing that becomes an issue for us. And you know, of course, like in church, like I think, I forgot who said it, but like, like cursing, you guys were talking about that. When your child comes and talks to you about this stuff, you have to hear what they're saying so that you can understand and make sure you explain to them why they shouldn't be participating. And I'm not saying every single kid, right, by no means, but I am saying that it is there and it is something that you want to talk about before it becomes something that's in their, their lap or in front of them and they don't know what to do with it. I've had kids that take items from other children and put it in their book bag. I was just holding it for them. Sometimes they legitimately don't know, right? Sometimes they do know, but it doesn't matter because now it's on you. And now you're going to be suspended and now you're in trouble because you're holding it. Some of them know what they're doing. Some of them don't. So that's one of the things that I just wanted to point out. It's been my thing. I, I feel like as a state, it's something we should be paying attention to, but they didn't ask me, so I don't know. Um, but that's, that's just one thing practical-wise I just wanted to put out there because it's something we need to understand. Obviously, within high school, I mean, it's a huge battle right now um, because a kid could be in a classroom vaping, and if a teacher's not paying attention, they're not going to know. It's not like cigarettes, right? Cigarettes were much easier to like, oh, you smoking a cigarette. Vaping is not, you can be vaping somewhere and unless, and now what they're doing, there's one with TCH in it. It's a liquid. Um, if they actually, if they're caught outside of school with that, they can actually go, it, it's a felony. Um, so the TCH, the liquid part that's in there, that's, that's really, really not what you want. But then now some of them are taking it and they're putting marijuana inside of it and they smoke it in there. So like, you, please just know, like these things are out there. And again, I'm not saying that that's what your child is doing. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that we need to know what's going on so we can be aware um, when we're talking to our young people um, so that they can stay safe. Oh, so what is vaping? Uh, well, I mean, it's like the new cigarettes. You know, back in the day, they started putting out all the cigarette commercials and they sued them and they were like, you can't do that anymore. So they stopped doing it. So now they have vaping, right? So it's basically like a cigarette. Most of them look like a little cartridge. They're about that big. Um, they look all kinds of ways. And when I say they're colorful, they're co like you're not going to look at that and be like, that's bad. You're going to be like, oh, that's real pretty. And it's a vape, right? Um, some of them look like highlighters. People literally, like, they smoke them. Like kids, at, I've heard many students come and say, oh, such and such told me to try it, and now, like, basically I can't stop. So you got, like, eighth graders that are addicted to vaping, like, they're addicted at this point. It's not good. It's, it's very rapid. It happens very quickly. Um, and it's not what people talk about. That's why I said it's like it's been a thing for me because I feel like in my spirit, it's, it's just from a spiritual standpoint, it's the thing that 
is trying to happen underneath where nobody knows about it and nobody talk about it until like 10 years down the line when our children in this generation are dealing with what they dealt with with cigarettes, right? It's just now it looked different. Um, so she was asking me to specifically just talk about what it looks like. It literally, it's like a cigarette, but you can't think of it like that. It's like a little small cartridge. Most of them are like that big. And um, they come in all different sizes. Um, some, one of them looked like a, a, what is that, like a flash drive almost, but an older one. It looked like that. Um, you have, they come in all kinds of shapes. The coffee cup one I just found out about recently, like it's the vape is right there, like where you drink the coffee from, but it's actually a vape. Um, it, it's, they're everywhere. If you see all these smoke shops, that's what they have in them. They have vapes in them. They sell them. How, and this is my favorite question from parents. Uh, how did my child get that? And I'm looking at them like, well, I don't know because I didn't give it to them. That's a really good question. And there's a lot of answers to that. How do these children who aren't old enough to buy these things, how are they getting them? I can, I can guess some ways that they're getting them, but some students are selling them. You have kids that are selling these things to other children that they've gotten from somebody else. Um, there's all kinds of ways. So like, that's another thing you just pay attention to. I always tell, my mom used to tell us all the time, if I didn't send you to school with this, don't come home with it. Don't take nothing from anybody. And I tell the children at my school the same thing. Did your mama send you to school with that? That's not yours. You don't need that. Like, if they wanted you to have it, they would have given it to you. So that's the coffee cup one that he put up there. Um, but you got to go and see for yourself. Like, you have to go to the little shops and you got to look in the mall. They're in the middle of the mall. Like in the middle of the mall, in the little, the little kiosk, yeah. You got to go and look at it because it's too many for me to really even try to explain them all. But where they get them from is an interesting question. Um, and, I, and I know the kids probably can tell you that people probably have them all the time. They see them all the time. It's everywhere. It's out there. Um, and we don't want our children to be participating in something that's going to harm them at the end of the day. It's going to harm them. It's not about, and, I, and Isaiah said something that I, I thought was perfect. Like, when you make that mistake, that's fine. And that's one thing that I'm really huge on as an assistant principal. You're going to do some things that you probably shouldn't do. You're going to make some choices that are not good choices. But after you make that choice, I need you to learn something from it, and you got to do better the next time, right? That's what it's about. We're all going to make mistakes. We as adults make mistakes. Everybody make mistakes. But as you go through your school year, if you do something that's not good, you don't make a good choice, decide to do better and make a better choice the next time. Um, because it's so important. Sixth grade, I'm middle school, I'm sixth, seventh, and eighth. Sixth graders, for whatever reason, they are so focused. They think people are their best friends in like three days. Okay? I'm just telling you. They just met somebody and that's my best friend. Like, baby, you know you only known them for two weeks. But that's my best friend. And they want to do any and everything for their best friend. Okay, seventh grade, oh, I, I got to protect them because that's my friend. You, are you a bodyguard now? Like, seventh grade, that's their mentality. I'm going, I got to protect them. That's my girl or that's my boy. That's my friend. I got to protect, right? Eighth grade, they're in that mentality of, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big, but not really. And watch out for me. And I'm trying to, it's, it's a lot of that trying to settle themselves. But sixth grade and seventh grade, for sure, 
you got to be having those conversations. Miss Amber said something earlier about having questions every day. Just talk to them. You don't need to know anything about science, math, arithmetic, whatever you want to call it. You don't got to know about all of that stuff. Just tell me what you did in every class. Start at the beginning. Nope, you skipped the class. Go back. What happened in there? And who you sit by? That's all you really have to do. You don't have to, and I want parents, that's the one thing. You don't need to have all the things. You just got to ask some questions and know. And when you know, you know. So you're going to know. And when you call that teacher, tell, tell the truth about your baby. Now, I, I did want to say that too. Don't call them people like your baby don't do nothing. Okay? I'm sure as an assistant principal, she laughing, but she know. She know I'm telling the truth. We all know, right, our babies, okay? They roll your eyes at home, they're going to roll their eyes at school, okay? They, same one, same child. <laughs> so, I just wanted to say that. The smoke is not always a, it, it doesn't always happen. It depends on what they're smoking, honestly. I've, it, kids have been in classrooms and they will be vaping and the teacher won't know about it because it, it doesn't stay. It's not like cigarette smoke, right? Cigarette smoke used to stay a while and linger. It don't, right. It, it's, it doesn't happen the way that they made them. It, it doesn't always it's not always. And I, don't, I don't, don't think that I'm not like a vape expert, but I'm telling you, I've learned more about it as an assistant principal in middle school than I ever have in my entire life. Like, I'm just telling you just from what I've experienced this past school year. So, like, there are different things. You, the, more you, the best you can do, even if you Google it, you look it up, you can find all these different ways that they look. But talk to them about it before you, like, I don't want you to wait to see it. You need to talk to them. Hey, if you see something that look like this, if you see something that look like that, if your friend give you this, don't hold anything for anybody. That's a huge one because kids get suspended. Like, it's on you. Like, doesn't matter that she gave it to you. It's in your book bag. So, unfortunately, that's the person that gets in trouble. Do you all have any closing remarks that you would like to say before we move on? Anything? Just that we're here, you know, that we're here. So um, if you have any questions or anything down the line. And then for those of you who do not have kids, you know, you go to church here. We have plenty of youth. Be involved with them. How was your day? Hey, how are you? Hey, what's your name? But just any of that little stuff makes a difference. We think it's little, but it's big to them. Sir, you wanted to say something? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I apologize because I know everything must be done in order. Uh, but my mother always said, and I'll be truthful to the fault, she said, I will never say what my children will not do. I will never say what my children will not do. And as a parent educator, don't fire off at the school, the administrators, saying, I know my child. 
and the village speaks. <laughs> First of all, thanks to the panel. Give God some praise for me. That's wonderful. And in case it didn't make the recording because the distance, the gentleman in the back said, never go to the teacher and profess what your child would not do. Um, as it was stated, know your child. Amen. Know your child. I am not going to come here and recant everything they said. I have some things. I have some notes. I'm going to hit these notes quickly. And if you want to talk more about them, we, we can at another session. This was awesome. Let's do this again. Let's do this again. But here are some quick notes. And I know we're going to also pray for the school year this year, right? right? Awesome. Relationships matter. And for Miss Ingram, first, my apologies for having you forget what you're going to say. That was not my intent. But the story she told about the, the child being sent home from the administration with the color that was not the appropriate gang color for their neighborhood is real. And the reason why I wanted her to share that is I would see her when she was at this particular school. And what parents don't see is what the teacher goes through emotionally and mentally trying to do the right thing for your child. I've seen the tears, because she is now wondering if that child made it home safe. I see the tears because she knows, Daddy, I want to do this by the curriculum, but we don't have enough money for the supplies. I've seen the tears because she's putting in funds to buy things, and that's putting stress on her home, but she knows if she doesn't do it, the child would not get the education the child deserves. When you see a teacher, don't assume that that teacher is not doing everything they can to give your child the best education possible. That teacher is shedding tears for your child. That teacher is spending money on your child. And when you see that teacher, everybody says, say thank you. Send them an email. Get them a gift card. That goes a long way because they're not always getting the support necessary from the people funding them. And for every parent that's saying, Thank you. There are a line of other parents that are blaming their child's poor performance right. on that teacher's right. on that teacher's system. Right. And one one final thing on that, when I say relationship matters, relationship with that teacher is an understanding that I think Miss Nigel said it. Twenty children with many different personalities and you're trying to teach something in a structured environment, in a society that says, you should be teaching how my child learns. Now, I'm not saying that's not important, but if you have to have an individual structure for 20 different children, think about how challenging that is. And they're trying to pull it off. The other thing from a relationship standpoint is, somebody told me once, and it was in relation to suicide, that there are people who committed suicide because they thought nobody saw them. 
There are times when just acknowledging that a child is there, I see you. You matter. You have value. Being that person that hugs them every time they come to school and letting them know that somebody knows that they're alive, I see you, can be the point that they don't want to exit this life that way because there is somebody who sees me. That's a relationship. As far as vaping, what came off of my spirit is a little leaven. A little leaven. She said, you get addicted so quick. There are things that we did as children that the mistake was just a mistake. We weren't hooked. But there are things they're exposed to now where if you're not comfortable with that little leaven, it can spoil the lump. And then the biggest one, and I know you're going to celebrate this one because I've known you for a long time. As believers, we are sometimes so spiritually deep that we miss the important thing. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. But in all you're getting, get understanding. If you look at that, I believe, in the message version, it doesn't say understanding. It says get common sense. So as a believer, loved ones, the practical is spiritual. Because if you don't get the practical in life, you're not going to be applying the spiritual properly. So if you, if you pray over your child, which is good, mm-hmm. instead of getting them the practical help they get, they need, mm-hmm. you might end up with a child who's prayed for but still going down the wrong road. Right. Right. Apply is wisdom understanding, knowledge. That's the end goal. So make sure that you please do not dismiss the practical. Everything that they've said, if you want to find a scripture for it, you probably can, but you shouldn't have to because you should hear it and say, that makes sense to me. Practical. So those are, those are my closing, closing remarks and love everything that you said. Thank you. Don't be afraid. Let's do this again. And thank you. can pray now. What am I? Yes. Okay. And in, in lieu of having everyone come up one at a time, we're just going to pray over everyone. And I did write some notes as well for that. Remember, the Bible tells us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful, like dynamite, dynamite, tremendous power available. So we're going to pray that God orders the steps of the ministration of the children. And in particular, for our administrators, we're going to pray aspects of the 23rd Psalm. So let's start with our children. God, I thank you that we are a village that cares for and therefore prays for our children. We are going to do our part practically to help them have the resources and the the community 
that they need to be successful. Now we're putting the prayer, the pressure of prayer on you. We know that when we pray, you hear us. So right now, God, hear us. Send ministering angels each and every day before them to shield and protect them from hurt and harm. Make them wise. Wise so that if anything or anybody comes their way that is not of you, that you give them the courage and the strength <laughs> to say no, that single sentence that says it all. That is not me. That is not how I was raised. That is not something that needs to be a part of my life. Make their minds sharp and their attention sure. Give them restful nights so that they were ready the next day to be educated. We also pray from an association standpoint. As they go class to class, grade to grade, they will meet other individuals who befriend them and who they want to befriend. I pray that the people that come in their friendship network are positive and that they also are discerning to know, as was said here today, which ones need to be dismissed and which ones should stay. Now for the administrators. We pray first and foremost that they have and continue to have a heart for children. That when they look at a child, they see the possibilities, not the boundaries. The Bible says in the 23rd Psalm that God, you are a shepherd. Shepherd them. Order their steps. And even when they're in an environment where the resources that they desire are not materializing the way they want it, they want them to materialize. The Bible says that because you are their shepherd, they shall not want. <laughs> the best I can say, God, is if it needs to be manna from you, let it be manna from you, but give them what they need to do their job with excellence. And when they're walking through a valley where it seems like either a child issue or a parent issue or a teacher each issue or, or a, an administrative issue or a board issue that seems to be taking them down that valley of the shadow of death, give them courage to know you are with them and that you are bringing them out on the other side triumphant because their mind and their heart is stayed on you and they're focused on the betterment of those children. Even when there are people that come against them, we want you to set the table before them in the presence of their enemies. Let there be nothing capable of tearing them down. As 
things come against what they're doing as they tend to happen each year. Let their network be such that whether in the building or outside of the building, you have rams in the bush waiting to support them and give them what they need so that when their enemies see them and expect them to fall, expect them to fail, they will be, they will be blown away by how they're not just still standing but thriving. We pray that they continue to dwell under an open heaven. And we know that as they get expended, all of their effort, that they have loved ones that they're also taking care of at home. So God, give them the anointing that they don't go home drained. Let it not be so, as Paul said, I would feel bad if I teach the gospel to you and I become a castaway. God, what I don't want I don't want them to be so spent from the day of taking care of somebody else's house that they can't take care of their own. Give them the strength to go home and so that the children that you have blessed them with, the spouses you have blessed them with, the families you have blessed them with also get the best part of them. And that in those homes, that those homes aren't a drain for them from them that it's empowering to them. That they go home to spouses that are supportive. They go home to children that help around the house. They go on to children that are obedient to their parents. Allow them to go home to a place that recharges them because we need teachers that are recharged. We need administrators that are ready to go. I thank you for that. And God, as an overall blessing, we pray that this upcoming school year is a success. That it's a success in every way possible. And we look forward to the testimonies of how this day is a gain a ripple effect and the hearers of this session that changed the trajectory of students and families and administrators. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.